Good afternoon, everybody. This is Bart Sharp, and we are at Becoming Quantum Conscious at United Public Radio and UFO Paranormal Radio Network out of the beautiful city of New Orleans, Louisiana. And I hope that they are having a nice sunny day. We in Austin are having a wonderful wet day, and or our guest, Sonia Sophia, is, is nearby uh, around Bastrop. So we're enjoying the rain. Just a little weather report. Also, um, not only are we broadcasting out of New Orleans, we are on the internet at the UPRN website, as well as Roku on cable television and YouTube and Facebook and other platforms, Spreaker being one, Twitter being the other. Uh, so we're all over the place and we hope that you're joining in with us today at Becoming Quantum Conscious. And my guest today is Sonia Sophia. She is a 25-year member of the Burning Man community. And we're going to be talking about the consciousness of Burning Man, the secret spiritual, no, I didn't get that right. The, uh, the spiritual, spiritual secret the spiritual the side, side. Mm -hmm. yes, of Burning Man. So there we have it. And um, thank you, so Sonia. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bart. What a delight to be able to speak with you and the audience about the secret spiritual side of Burning Man. Not very many people are aware of that. Yeah, because we, you know, you know, there's the people that go and the people that are interested in going that have talked to people about it, have one picture of Burning Man. And then probably for the rest of the world, they see photographs on Facebook or short movies on YouTube. Uh, and they have a different in image. And, uh, you know, just something that is in one of the most hostile environments of, of um, Nevada, correct? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, out in the uh, desert. And mm -hmm. you're out there to have a conscious raising experience through a lot of different expressions. Uh, I think that that is quite a challenge of we're going beyond what no one has ever done before. A little quote it's from Star true. Trek. It takes, it takes so much to survive in that environment, much less put on um, a huge artistic expression. And I think that the filter of how much it takes in terms of the pilgrimage to get there, the um, wild experience of trying to find a ticket they sell out in minutes, um, then the expense of taking that week off of work and then getting yourself able to survive the environment and then having costumes and then also there's no spectators. So you're meant to go and gift a gift, either a physical item or a performance or a way of being or some beautiful piece of art or some way so that you're not there just watching, but that you're actually building the festival and participating. So all of that is kind of a spiritual arc in itself. And of course, whenever you're doing anything like that, things go wrong and things are hard and you could give up and there's a lot of fear to overcome and it's an out faith walk and a, 
jump into the void and will this work and will we get the funding and to make the thing and teamwork and collaboration. So just the process of getting yourself to Burning Man is a, a self-evolutionary experience. Everybody is on stage and performs in some way, shape, or form. What a phenomenon. I, yeah, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It means that um, there are, you know, 100,000 things that you could be doing at any given hour. And there's even a guide called the What, Where, When, that there's a window that opens for submissions and you've got, you know, this tiny little space to write the name of your event, what you're doing, who should come, when it's happening. And not every event, of course, can be in this little guidebook, but everyone gets one of those at the door along with a map. And then maybe that event is actually happening if someone's car didn't break down or if a rainstorm didn't happen or if the microphone didn't blow up or, you know, it's just this wild cacophony yeah. of um people offering themselves as freely as possible. That that rainstorm that happened this past summer was a pretty wild thing. It was right at the end of Burning Man and a storm that I'm guessing was highly unlikely that it, that it should ever appear. But That's there it true. was. I've only been out there once when it rained at that level and um it's you just everything stops because as you take steps, the mud builds up on the bottom of your shoes to where you're being wearing like six inch platform clay boots if you're walking. So <laughs> machines can't move, um, bicycles can't move. Everyone has to hunker down and stay with the people that they are with, wherever they happen to be. Wow. I just wondered how much. That was almost a manifest manifestation of energy. If you have so many people with a similar intention, some, you know, amazing things can happen. And then some things can happen that you had no idea would happen, but they yeah. do. Which, you know, and this, this, sorry, I was going to just say Go this ahead. year, people reported back. Some said it was the best burn ever, which is, Typical for every year, people come back, that's the best burn ever. And then others were like, oh my gosh, that was not what we intended. And it was tiring and hard. And But, you know, it also drove people to connect with each other more than go out looking for adventure. They had to find maybe a different type of adventure by mm -hmm. being more vulnerable and sharing food and helping each other survive. That's wonderful. And you've been doing this for... 24 years? Yeah, about 24 years. I started in 99. Wow. To, yeah. So, so how did it change your life? Just that's a hard question, wow. I'm sure. You know, I feel like Burning Man made me who I am today. Um, because it gave me a place to practice my art without fear of repercussion. I wasn't mm. there trying to impress because it's just a bunch of us being like, I want to try this. I want to try that. Um, it's a place where you can feel because we're all in that together. There's less judgment and there's more experimentation available. It's not a money making thing. So we're not trying to 
sell tickets or get people to buy our products. There's no branding allowed. There's no marketing allowed. So um, after the first 10 years, I went and I just did all the things burners do. Dance all night, uh, try this substance, um, you know, have sex in a more public place, all the little fantasies that people want to do, run around naked, oh my goodness, you know, um, wear this costume, show this side of myself, and then all of that, you know, was a free place to play and move that through. And then at one point, I remember sitting in some white lingerie in the dust, meditating, and spirit saying to me, you see those domes, these big geodesic domes? You're supposed to help fill those domes. And I just was like, oh my goodness, what are you even telling me? Mm. And I, I told my then boyfriend, and the next day, because I had just learned EFT, which is the healing art that I practice. And the next day, uh, there was a mic and a dome that was open. And he just said, do you want to say something? And I was like, yes. And he started calling people in from the pathway, saying there's an event, there's an event. And he filled that dome in 25 minutes. And I was standing there, basically in my lingerie, starting to explain to people how to process emotions. And um, it worked and it helped them. And I got over one part of a giant amount of stage fright. And then the next day I did it again. And the next year I came back more prepared. Um, and people book out who's going to be on their stages six months in advance, at least at Burning wow. Man. And I, I called a healing camp called Heebie-Jeebies and said, can I get on your stage like two weeks before Burning Man started? And they just laughed and they were like, you should have talked to us six months ago. We don't even know who you are. I was like, oh. So they said, you know what? The only time we have is like six o'clock in the morning. Nobody wants. And I said, I'll take it. I'll take your trash time. And I got there with a little angel outfit on with these little feathery wings that I made myself. And what I didn't realize is that at sunrise, all of these people were coming back in from the playa, which is the, the grand canvas of dust, that they've been out partying, they've been art cars, they've been dancing all night, they've been making love under the stars, and they're all exhausted and broken open and coming down from whatever experience they've had. And apparently if you stand there with a microphone and say, you know, I love and accept myself loud enough. People will come over. And pretty soon I had a huge audience of people sitting in front of me. I'm in my angel outfit and I'm teaching them how to do EFT, emotional freedom technique. And 50 people had this massive healing experience. And the next day they asked for more. And the next day they asked for more. And that started my career of doing EFT in this kind of a healing art kind of way in a, almost like a band would do on a stage where you can work with an entire audience at one time. So two things. I want you to explain what EFT is for those who don't understand it and how it changes. But I wanted to also comment that it's always amazing when we, when we do not allow ourselves to have boundaries, we will explore all of these very physical things to have that experience and when that's fulfilled, something else shows up yeah. and we go into almost like a space 
of creativity or space of consciousness and it gets deeper into who we are you know what is our path and it sounds like you have you're doing what a lot of uh, spiritual people have done yeah uh, um, so so tell us a bit about EFT what what's how does that yeah. work and because mm -hmm. a lot of people haven't heard of that and I know it's a really awesome tool and technique that I've played with yeah so it's been around for about 30 years at this point it was invented by a Stanford engineer called Gary Craig who was looking for a way to quickly help people restore emotional balance by restoring the electrical circuits of the body. Mm. And his hypothesis was emotional dysregulation, meaning when you're triggered or upset, it's coming from an imbalance in the electrical current in your body. So he noticed that if you stimulate the acupuncture meridians with your fingertips, rather than with a little needle, you can percussively gently tap on them and help restore the electricity to flow properly in the body. And that if you do that while naming what your experience is and bringing the active ingredient called acceptance or empathy or love to that moment. So when you do three things at the same time, body, you're tapping on the meridian mind, you're addressing what's happening. And spirit, you're putting love or empathy into the mix that things go quantum, boom. Mm. Body, mind, spirit. I've never heard it that exactly that way. That is a wonderful, wonderful way because the people I've seen do it haven't said, we're going to have love, caring, nurturing, those type of ingredients in this process. It almost feels mechanical. But right. from what you're saying, I'm opening this up for spirit to come and be a vessel in this experience. Right. Well, and I come from a background of meditation, right? So I did 10 years of meditation and 10 years of yoga before I ever came to EFT. So that created me to see this tool as what I think is a spiritual development tool, really, in essence. I mean, when you take the fear out of your body and you start really releasing yourself to become who you are, who are you after the fear leaves? You are what you were made to be, right? And that has a certain genius, that has a, a unique gift to offer the world, that has a creativity to it. Mm -hmm. So... I see EFT in a way as a spiritual development tool, although what we're really doing is removing information that was stored in our body from the past. Really? And so whether that's a past life or a past physical experience that happened since I was born or, you know, something that I've reacted to strongly and it's still kind of a trigger because that's how it was last time. All of that can be addressed with this tool, EFT, and it's fast. So we need these tools for this time, right, to, to and, move forward. Indeed, and I'm just really thinking about if you were doing that type of energy work at a place where everybody says we're open to all experiences, anything is possible, we can express whatever we want to express here, and we're safe, and we wish to 
have a greater love in this, that would seem to multiply some experience like tapping together with a large group. Exactly. And, you know, we're safe is maybe how they felt. I tried to create a sense of safety by the costumes I chose to wore to wear, which was somewhere between Linda the Good Witch, you know, in these big ball gowns and Cinderella and angels and fairies to help hold them, you know, in a space with an archetype where they're like, yes, that childhood shape of a woman in a big ball gown is safe, right? Mm -hmm. But it also says on your Burning Man ticket, I know that if I come to this event, I could die here because there's a bunch of artists doing crazy stuff. They're suspending boulders from chains and letting you climb on them. You're going through weird electrical spaces with sparks coming out of them. I mean, anything could happen, right? And, it, and you're in 120 something degree heat during the daytime. This is a and hostile dust environment. Storms and it's acidic or it's um, very alkalizing soil that can crack your skin if you don't take care of it properly. So maybe they feel safe. Maybe they are the kind of people that love to see what's possible. And they're like, you know, I got one life. Mm. What am I doing here? So they're more yeah. like adventurous and they have um, yes. an experimental mindset and sort of like, you know, I like to test the limits and I'm willing to try stuff. And so I took initiative to like hold that space it's like okay really well let's do something that really is a thrill how about we love and accept and forgive ourselves and heal our trauma around our parents our sexuality our fears of finding and activating our divine purpose and uh, what i found is you know 500 people at a time having an experience on the inside that was deeper than any drug could give them and yes. purifying their hearts and releasing all kinds of limiting fears and beliefs and falling in love with each other and falling in love with themselves. And um, it was beautiful. It's, it's like watching them, you know, flowers blossom. It is. And, and I think that's a good message for people as I live in Austin, Texas and, and hanging with uh, much of the liberal community here, much of them much younger than me. And, and so they asked me questions um, about, well, did you use these substances to get where you are? And, and I was like, no, it's more about feeling what's inside. The substances may teach you a calmer vibration and maybe you'll open up to that, but then you, at least this is my experience, maybe not for everybody, but it's a very gentle, subtle process to really feel who you are. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. Uh, and, and, and learn what that identity is. And just as you said earlier, you opened up in this big vulnerability under this dome, never did this before in front of a group of that size in that context. And yet in that vulnerability and that openness, a seed was planted. Yeah, and I can't say that it was just, and then I wasn't afraid. I just like doing (laughs) things that are hard and scary. And I like challenging myself to release my fear. I like to see who I am on the other side of that fear. And and I notice the more I lean in Mm -hmm. um, and let my body process and shake and my mind, you know, freak out. Um, I used EFT to help me learn how to bring EFT to the collective at bigger and bigger levels. Not because I wanted to be famous or because I wanted to be make money or be popular, but because I have a spiritual purpose and my spiritual purpose says, this is my world and these are my people. Mm-hmm. And I came here to help bring love to this planet and teach people how to love and to facilitate the flow of love so that we have happier, healthier people because those are the only kind of people that can create a happier, healthier world. So I used Burning Man as a way to practice that spiritual mission. And I found that there were a huge amount of spiritual thrill seekers in costumes covered in dust, doing all kinds of things. But what they really, really, really wanted was love to know themselves, to be in their power, to be seen for who they are, to be accepted by the community. And we, as a collective, helped each other and have been helping each other do that for a very long time. Yes. As you say that, I'm just thinking, those are such ancient lessons that it's like the softer side of the world has always developed uh, uh, those those same perspectives, you know, whether you're talking about saints or mystics or people in loving families that encourage their children to be their own person. Uh, and, and in today's world, we have so many more tools to process that out, like EFT. Uh, I use access consciousness, uh, shamanism. All of these things are all popping up uh, with that. And a lot of the um, plant medicine stuff is, you have to say that it's all in that category. And Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that has blossomed out of, I think, Burning Man. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of been a seed of possibility. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I went into meditation when I first learned EFT in spirit said, I want you to put, cause I was like, where do I put this? Mm-hmm. And spirit said, I want you to focus on two festivals. One rainbow, rainbow gathering, which is the old hippie festival that came. The children of Woodstock left the Yaskers farm. They didn't go home. Yeah. They went into the <laughs> forest and started a free school to teach each other everything they knew. 
They just went into the woods and they have been moving through the woods all over the planet ever since. And every year all over the planet, there are these rainbow gatherings. I went there for 20 years as well. So wow. I would do two festivals a year. I went to rainbow gatherings to learn how to do it in the dirt under a tree with no makeup on and no costumes and just simple, simple, simple. And then um, to bring it to this, the world's greatest art festival with the highest amount of costumes and investment that each person makes into whatever they're doing. And um, I didn't think about how that would affect me, but what I did hear through meditation was the culture follows the artists. And if you help the artists who are their leading culture, so helping singers. So I taught EFT to Ayla Nero, if you know who she is. She's an amazing musician with medicine music. I taught EFT mm -hmm. to Ma Muse. And their wow. music is sculpting and shaping hearts and minds. I taught EFT to Android Jones, one of Burning Man's most prestigious artists. If you look him up, you know, he lit up the Empire State Building in lights with Kali Ma's face all the way down it a few years back. His music is, or his art is about, is metaphysical and transformational, um, ethnogenic, beautiful. So, you know, when I'm leading EFT in a community like that, I have no idea who's in the audience. It, it never crossed my mind to wonder. They were just the dusty people of the playa. I didn't know they were doctors, lawyers, um, you know, visionaries, sculptors, people who are high up in tech companies, people who are actually going back to very successful lives and bringing what they got from Burning Man to their area. Mm. So, you know, spirit was right. And I'm so glad I just followed these simple instructions. <laughs> Indeed. And I got to take a, one moment to interrupt. And I want to hold that thought of like artists, Artists, no, culture follows the artist uh, and all of what that is. But I want to also tell everybody that is on uh, YouTube and Facebook and other means, if you wish to join in and ask uh, Sonia Sophia questions, please do so. And also you can contact her at sonyasophia.us and worldtappingcircle.com. And so she has a lot of different opportunities to interact with her at those levels. And um, so the, all of that is available, but also you are on United Public Radio and UFO Paranormal Radio at 107.7 and 105.3. Also on Roku, Facebook, YouTube, and um UPRN website and all of these places. So culture follows the artist. And 24 years ago, these people that started Burning Man wanted to start something different. And, and I just wondered if you could share, what do you think their vision was when they began this and how has it evolved? Well, the man who started Burning Man was named Larry Harvey, and he died a few years ago. He started uh, by having a, a party with a friend on the beach um, in California. 
and wanting to go have a cathartic, uh, kind of a summer solstice event, I believe. And it was so popular. He made an effigy of himself and burnt it just as a symbol of rebirth and recycling himself. And his friend liked it. And next year, some more friends joined and some more friends. And pretty soon this party on the beach was getting out of hand and they needed another place. They kicked him off the beach. They found <laughs> the desert because you just, there's nothing to burn. There's no nobody, rocks, nope. there's no trees. Nobody's going to no hassle us here. <laughs> you know, they're like, clean it up, disappear it without a trace. And it grew. He also went to some workshops and he learned some 10 principles that he sculpted into kind of the 10 principles of Burning Man. And one is um, leave no trace. You know, one is immediacy, spontaneity. Um, one is radical self-reliance. One is radical inclusion. Um, and being socially responsible. So it's a place for us to take these principles and put them in and gifting Right, and put those mm. things into play. Like how how do we include people and take full responsibility for ourselves and keep things clean and stay spontaneous and open ourselves to magic. And so have unconditional love for your fellow man. Yeah. And be accepting of whatever wild thing you're seeing, full spectrum. And there's the, you know, the spanky camp where everyone's getting spankings and doing shots, and there's the you know, BDSM camp and the panty hut camp where you have to give them your underwear if you want to drink. And and then there's other things where they're doing like the white parade where everyone's wearing white at dawn and they get up and they walk in silence to watch the sunrise. And there's a beautiful dance at dawn and there's the temple burn, which is done in silence or supposed to be done in silence. And thousands of people are sitting um, at a structure that's been built and people have been putting a memorial to people that they've lost or things that they've loved or dreams that they've lost or pets that they've lost. And it's a shrine to what was, and there's people grieving in that and it's a memorial. And mm. then we all sit in silence and watch that burn and watch these whirlwinds. They look like spirits come out of this huge fire and, sit and pray and cry and meditate together in a collective of people that don't have a particular religious belief at all. But yet that instinct for reverence is there. Hmm. It sounds like it has a great atmosphere for a constant evolution because you can only do some of those things so long and it has to evolve to something else because that probably sounds like the most underlying question is where do we grow from here? Oh yeah. And whatever we're doing. And it's interesting that you bring that up because from me starting in my lingerie, the next year is like, well, I want to wear a pretty prom dress. And the next year is like, <laughs> actually I want to wear ball gowns. And the next year is like, actually I want to wear mythical, you know, and the, the last time I was there, I had, you know, 12 foot, angel wings that were bionic white and gold tip that I could push a button and they'd, you know, expand <laughs> from my dress and this huge halo of flowers. And I've taken roses with messages like fortune cookie messages that I've written myself and laminated and thrown them into the audience and people grab them. And it's like a message to their heart, you know, and, and actually the end of these 
standing like a bride at a receiving line and people coming up for 40 minutes, one after the other saying, when my father died, we came here and we grieved. Thank you. This is the thing I look forward to doing the most every year, you know, and just me having no idea, like I'm just doing what I said I would do. And I'm holding a, a space where people are free to be themselves. And, and that's the result of people are clearing, forgiving their mothers, their fathers, forgiving themselves, letting go of heartbreak and pain so that they can love again and that they can, they can grow and heal. And, and I think Burning Man in and all the, itself and all this, and does all the that. Time, all the time you're doing this, you're doing emotional freedom training or EFT with, with yeah. the group. So they're tapping this <laughs> totally. out while yes. you're, you're going into this ingredient of, of love. As, as you said earlier, it's with uh, the intention of the story, a physical tapping of the body, neurological implications, and then love, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, mm -hmm. nurturing, all of those elements that um, make it so much more special. Uh, and yeah. and you're, you're, you're in the desert with people who have that same intention, even though some of them may be doing BDSM, but they're doing it with love and grace. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's just, it's so beautiful. And, you know, when I, I first wanted to start working at festivals, you know, people asked me, oh, do you want to come and do a healing workshop at this festival? And I said, yes, put me on your main stage. And they said, that's not safe and that can't be done. Healers go in the little side tent. They do some aromatherapy. They do some gongs or whatever. And I said, no, this is put me on your main stage like you would your main musical act. Mm -hmm. Because we can, just like with music, you can get a whole audience to connect and release and go into a much higher state together. And that's one thing that I've learned to do with the field of consciousness at Burning Man. And so people have asked me, well, what's your art? And I said, I sculpt in consciousness. Mm. And my art is a healing art, right? There's a reason why they say healing arts. It yeah. is an art because you're probably going in and perceiving the limitations because you are a gifted psychic, but you're probably, and, and I, I'm saying mm -hmm. this because I know this experience, you're just picking up all of these messages from people uh, intuitively and it, and you are leading a clearing using what you're picking up from everybody. That to me is an art form. Uh, very few people can really hold that type of awareness. And, uh, and then well, there's the collective you. consciousness of it that everybody's doing it together right they multiply that energy so it's right incredible, and it, it it's, does it's an incredible mm -hmm. experience uh in which you also led this to the world tapping um uh, i want to say center circle yes yeah so it's interesting that you bring that up the world tapping circle is the project that came out of burning man because what happened is that each year the pavilion I was working in, no matter what camp was hosting me, and there were multiple camps that I worked with. Some of them I helped build for nine years. Some of them I was mm -hmm. with for a couple of years. Um, but 
I worked at every spiritually oriented camp that was out there um, in the 20 plus years I was there. But each year, the pavilion I was in would fill to people were over spilling into the hot sun and they would stand in the sun for two hours and bake. And it would break my heart that they were just getting sunburned standing there and they couldn't get in to the shade. And so I kept saying, can you build it bigger? Can you build it bigger? And it was overflowing, overflowing. And finally, I was like, there's got to be a way that people can get healing that they say they're coming to get one week a year. I would work five days a week there. And I was, still wasn't enough. And I was like, how do I make time and space and money basically disappear and location disappear and serve as many people uh, as who really want it and need it? And so... I fundraised through the connections that I met at Burning Man and people came and said, you changed my life. How can I support you? So I raised millions of dollars to create a platform about 10 years ago before we were all um, doing webcasting and Zooming to weave technology together so that I could deliver the same work I was doing at Burning Man 24 hours a day for $5 a week to anyone who wanted to heal because wow. I knew that when I was a traumatized young single mother who was neurotic and broken and depressed and addicted and feeling crazy and sad and like couldn't make money and couldn't think straight. And also an artist because artists have certain kinds of brains that don't always fit with society. And I was like, how do I help really help these people? Not just, help them have a huge release once a year, but really help them. And it, I came up with the world tapping circle, which meant that I live stream a video tapping session with this background that you see behind me. Yes. This is a portal. And, and, I, would, and I would like to add with that, whenever you do do a workshop or have an experience like at Burning Man and this big expansive experience, you walk out sometimes feeling bigger than life. And then you go back home and you go back to your normal routine. And two weeks later, you're going, where did that feeling go? Well, the thing is, is that you have to remember what you experience viscerally and feel it. And a lot of times that requires practice and, and just exactly. going back into those tools. And so the world tapping uh, circle really meets that. Uh, exactly. For, I love that you're really connecting this bar. Not that many people um, know this piece of festival culture where it's like yeah. your body has to keep opening in those areas for that to become a normal activity and not just yeah. a special once one off. Well, it, it's kind of like charismatic leaders, you know, have this bigger than life energy and they open people up and, and, you know, you get, you actually get a, piece of that person or a vibration of that person and you expand along with them and you feel great. And the question is, how do I create my original vibration that's mine that is just as powerful? Correct. Uh, I, I was I was in a a group and I'm, I'm not going to mention it's kind of a, a healing group almost like a cult. And that's what was happening with the leaders. And I knew that it was going to be time for me to leave. And I knew that that would happen. Their world would pull out of mine and I would just be left with me. 
And I was going, well, how do I get that? How do I keep that high vibration going? So I went out into the woods and started doing tons of clearings and activations to commune with one of the most infinite sources possible, the forest, the earth, the sun, the sky, all of the elements. And so I maintained that identity. And what you're doing and providing is much of the same thing with something you are very passionate about. And as you described to me before we started the show, you were saying, yeah, I've done this healing gig for lifetimes and lifetimes as saints and, you know, other titles, so to speak, whatever they were. And I know it and I vibrate it and it comes easy for me. And yet I still have to do the work. It just doesn't pop out just like that. You have struggled like anybody else. And yet mm-hmm. you have chosen to be this. And, and it really sounds like Burning Man really facilitated that for you because it made you bigger than the mm-hmm. individual Sonia Sophia is that could fall into addictions and could live a limited or, you know, live in a lot of limitations. But instead, you like the dream of being bigger. It gave me a place to live in my mystical self unashamedly. To wow. walk around. Could you, could you say that again? <laughs> that is so good. It gave, it gave me a place to live in my mystical self unashamedly. Ooh. So if I wanted to be the angel of love and mercy and walk around and be like, yeah, I made a booth. This is the booth of infinite mercy, which I did one year and made this big neon heart that said booth of infinite mercy. And it was almost like a confessional. You could sit down. There was an EFT practitioner and you could sit there and be like, okay, what do you want to be forgiven for? And all day Mm. long people came and sat and tapped and used EFT and literally got that pain out of their body and that grief out of their hearts. We just had a tissue, a table and a chair. And people just came through, you know, it was like. Now that's a wonderful service to give people. And it's a very, it's a very daring title, infinite mercy. And as a person who facilitates that, you always get a gift from doing that. What did it give you to do that much work for that long with so many people? Compassion for the human condition. And um, gosh, that just brings me to tears. It's like for us to heal, we have to have compassion for the human condition. We're all a part of it. We've all had abuse in our families. We've all had trauma in our families. We've all been in cultures that were either enslaved or enslaving or alternating. Um, We've started wars. We've been persecuted. We've been the persecutors. Which is all about living into duality, like you're going to conquer it or fight it or go against it to to do better. But you are being vulnerable. Well, to heal it, we have to forgive it. And to forgive it, we have to understand it. And to understand it in myself and to understand it in the world means that it just doesn't have a place to stick. That kind of stuff can only grow. Um, through being suppressed and 
uh, hidden in shame and fear. So when I can sit with someone who tells me that they raped someone and we can tap the pain and that guilt out of their body, not only don't they go and do that again, but they go and help others. So what I found in doing this work, thinking that I'm just doing something that gives my soul peace because I'm creating more peace on this planet and that is for me. This is me opening my spirit, being vulnerable, showing you what it looks like, standing on a microphone, animating this like it's coming out of a dream and then I get that joy. Well, what happens is that everyone started coming and saying, I wanna learn to do this too. And I was like, I can teach you. So I started training people how to go. And I said, there's thousands of festivals that need us. And not everyone needs to dress in a fairy godmother dress. You go be a man doing it. You go be a, you know, go be a queer person doing it. Go be a black person doing it. Go be a, a young person doing it. Go, you know, go do yeah. your way. You go help the men. You go help the traumatized, abused women. You, you know, so go find the medical community and teach them. And so what happened is at Burning Man, um, one person said to me, I, I want you to come to Italy and help my brother. Um, I have a, a big villa. Will you come help him? And I said, I'm not going to go to help one person. But if you would allow me to bring other people to help, I will help him plus others. He gave me $33,000. I gave 33 scholarships. Um, <laughs> I gave 33 scholarships and said, okay, we're, you write me uh, a message about why you want to come study with me. And I took 33 people to a villa for two weeks and learned how to train people to do what I do in their way, to find their connection, to see what people they wanted to work with. And I helped them. Um, not just learn EFT and how to give it, but to do that right, you have to help people heal themselves. Yeah. So I started training people in this in-depth, 3D, fun, costumes, dancing, music, feasting, crying, healing, adventure tour of the inner world. But also we had to have costumes because, you know, that stuff is hard and scary. So we have to have fun. Okay. You know, you, you, you talk about that, it's it, it feels a little bit bigger than life, but something that I suspect is very much inside of you that you haven't mentioned is humility. It's like the more powerful and bigger you get in generous and serving others, humility has to be part of that. Like, I am this small, and there's a non-defensiveness about it. Like, well, thank you. I, you know, for me, it's just what keeps me humble is that I have this one little lifespan. It's like a 15-minute carnival ride. Like, what are you going to do with this tiny little lifespan? You know, time keeps us humble. Our bodies are like flowers. You know, the rose, she blooms. And then her petals mm -hmm. fall off, and then she returns to the earth. So I'm in that process. So you know, as an, as an eternal being, I know that I live forever, but I have this one little body and one little face and one little personality and this, whatever amount of money I can bring together and whatever kind of energy or impact I'm going to have, this is that moment. And we all have that same 
24 hours a day. We all have some little lifespan, some of us slightly longer than others, but not much. You know, that is the great equalizer. So like it, death it, is the great equalizer. It, it is. And I think, you know, when I, I, I spend a lot of time in France and I, you know, visit with people in their spiritual process over there. And I visit with people, of course, in Austin in America and theirs is different than ours. And what I see with ours is a lot of times when people think, well, I'm going to be more conscious and more aware. And this means I'm going to get a better car, a better relationship. You know, my prosperity issues are all going to go away and that's going to make me complete. You know, I'm going to be popular uh, in, in all of these almost like materialistic things. New Europeans are more like, no, I just want to experience awareness or I want to experience experience a different vibration. Um, and when I listen to you, it doesn't seem like you're going after a lot of those material things. You are, there's something else out there that, and that you're me, seeking. It's... I just want to see what one person's love could do. I want to see when mm. I take off my body, about 30 seconds after I take off my body, I will see how far my love traveled. Mm. And that will feel good. And I've been living, I started a meditation in my 20s of like, if this was the last day of my life, how would I feel about it the minute I passed? And then each day, I just kept doing that because what it does is it, it puts that immediacy. So what I've trained myself to do is like have the conversations you need to have. Give the love that you need to give. And, apologize and, where you need to apologize. And Bear I think down a, on, on what's important, you know? That's a wonderful word, immediacy, that you have to carry it every day. Uh, and, and build and grow. Uh, imagine you're not someone who has these days where you go, well, you know, I don't have to evolve. I'm going to watch television all day or something. I'm going to. Occasionally, I want to have a hamburger and watch Netflix and just be like, oh, right? And, but I get bored very quickly. Yeah, indeed. And I'm like, well, okay. I had a nap. I had a break or I how to rest. Now what? And, mm. and I want my creativity is connected to my spirituality. It's like, well, what's another fun way that we, the people of the earth, could be evolving if I did my part? If I got out of bed and turned on the lights and put on the cameras and or if I wrote this thing down or if I you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with a with an awareness or a dream. If I write it down and I commit to it the next day, something changes. And I've never stopped being fascinated at how I could click some buttons on a computer and life would change. Or I could have a conversation and these are just sounds coming out of my mouth and somebody's life could change. Or it's just yeah. amazing to me how all of our choices create constantly 
a reality yes. and, and what role we each have in shaping the reality that unfolds on our planet. So it, for me, I'm just incessantly curious about that. Yes, and it's it's always in that question. I mean, the whole thing with what you've said today is like, I can be that big. I can be the front. I can wear very interesting costumes. And this is all about a fun experience, experimentation of creativity but it's this constant curiosity at all levels that make my life flow and grow. And maybe as we send this message out to, you know, all of these people out of the audiences, out in the audience, is to ask that question. You've always seemed to bring things up through questions, but I ask the audience to ask that question, where can you grow today? What's next for you? It's real simple. And just start seeing where you're guided. You just sound like a lot of this stuff happened for you almost spontaneously. I mean, you prepared, you have your skill sets, but yet there was this point where you just kind of jumped off the cliff. Yeah, and it's never going to be comfortable. So you can't wait around for it to feel like, oh, this is super easy. Um, I have to say that when I was first growing into healing enough chronic depression that I could get out of bed, like I was in bed five days out of seven with chronic depression for a lot of years, and it was devastating. So I found somebody who knew what she was doing and let her mentor me and sort of guide me. And I practiced obedience. I noticed that I was like, if I don't trust somebody, I'm going to die. Mm. And this person seems to have consciousness and clarity. So I'm just going to do what she tells me to do. And it was hard on my ego that didn't want anyone to see my pain or fear, but it saved my life. And this is me paying that back. This is me paying that forward. She and I have been friends and contemporaries now for two decades. She's gratitude. the godmother of my daughter. Mm. So gratitude, this gratitude and humility. This is a way of saying thank you to her, but thank you to those who saw the potential in me. And may I pay that forward to help you see the potential in you and let me boss you a little bit and hold you a little bit to go where it's too scary to go by yourself. So I wanted to give the audience a gift if I could, if they're feeling curious and experimental, and would um, like to, to test I, this out. Okay, we have only a minute. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if, uh, if you can compact that gift. I can. But before you do that, I want to do closing. And just thank everybody for being, listening, uh, being a part of this show. Uh, this is Burning Man Spirit, that we are part of all of this creation and whatever you're thinking and feeling as part of a collective consciousness that can grow and hoping that you go out into the world with curiosity and questions about how you can evolve next. And all of this is all happening on Becoming Quantum Conscious. I am Bart Sharp, and this is Sonia Sophia, and you can contact Sonia Sophia at www.sonya, and that's S-O-N-Y-A, Sophia, 
www.worldhealingcircle.us or go to the World Healing Circle.com. I'll say those two websites real quick for you Sonia Sophia, S O N Y A S O P H I A dot US, Sonia Sophia dot US, and World Tapping Circle.com. Yes, and all of that is uh, available. Just tune in uh, and check out Sonia. You are at United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network on 107.7 and 105.3 out of New Orleans and out of Roku, Facebook, and YouTube. And I don't know about anybody in the audience, but having this amazing conversation has gotten me really expanded a little bit high and if I seem to be blurring my words, that is why, because this has been a very conscious raising experience being with you for this last 55 minutes. And we're a minute over, but let's go with one more minute and give us a closing message, Sonia. Great. Well, I just want to give everyone a playa gift, which is what I give to my audiences at Burning Man. It says on this side, if you are watching the video, self-evolution fuels the revolution. And on this side, it says learn, love, and live. And there's a QR code. You can take a screenshot, put it to your phone. That'll take you to 30 days of limitless tapping time with me to continue your metamorphosis. And for those of you just listening, write this URL down and you can get where that QR code will take you, which is World Tapping Circle dot com forward slash free month trial worldtappingcircle.com forward slash free month trial and that's a no strings attached you can tap with me online i will guide you for as many hours as you want and you'll get four live streams with me that we can do live um, but you have my video library which has hundreds and hundreds of hours of free emotional support in it. So I hope that you get curious and expansive and take this tiny little nugget of of golden love that is coming from this radio show and experiment and see, you know, what lights you up. Indeed. What a wonderful hour. Thank you so much, Sonia, for being on the show. And uh hope to have you back again. And uh many blessings. And blessings to 